0: When you are building something no one has ever seen, something no one has ever imagined, who can you turn to for help? The answer is the other people who are facing the same issues you are, those product-inventing, boundary-pushing, design-obsessed folks who are just like you. Welcome to AWS Startup Stories. I'm Michelle Kung. And I'm Michael Copeland. What follows are the tools that work, the leadership practices that make a difference, and the lessons you only learn by building a company. And one more thing, what startup jockeys do with a very rare item, their downtime. So let's get to it. We're taking a deep dive into ASEAN in the following podcast, talking with founders and investors from one of the world's fastest growing startup ecosystems. From Singapore to Ho Chi Minh City, Bangkok, Jakarta, and other parts of the region, hear how entrepreneurs are tackling this massive market, what investors are hunting for, and why startups are having such an impact across all dimensions in this part of the world. Welcome to the AWS Startup Podcast. I'm here with Olivia Rossin, who is a venture capitalist based in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Olivier, welcome.
1: Hello. Thanks a lot for, for having me.
0: You are in Ho Chi Minh City, and it's morning time, I think. We are end of the day here on the West Coast. But Olivier, how are you? Let's start with that first off.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. Just finished my, my workout here, I'm ready to start the day. And first of all, I hope that your family, the AWS team, and all the entrepreneur and ecosystem members who are listening to us are all keeping safe.
0: Well, thank you. And likewise uh, to your people in your, your ecosystem uh, in Vietnam, which we want to jump into. So, you are a co founder of Phoebe Ventures which focuses on Vietnam, Phoebe, F-E-B-E, is an acronym. Uh, So maybe let's start with that. What does Phoebe stand for?
1: Sure. So Phoebe uh, means uh, for entrepreneur by entrepreneur for a simple reason that, so we are three uh, co-GPs and my my two partners, Jean-Marc and Eric Merlin, uh, I mean, two entrepreneurs, They, they moved to Vietnam almost 30 years ago. And they started a first company with uh, only three staff, and now they have a conglomerate composed by 20 companies and around 5,000 employees in several industries. And uh, on my side, uh, I had the chance to be uh, also entrepreneur and be close of the launch of more than 10 startups. So we, we truly have an uh, entrepreneurial DNA, and that's why we, we pick up this name.
0: Got it. Well, I like it. I like it. For entrepreneurs, by entrepreneurs. Now, you've been in the venture business. You were in the venture business in Brazil, I believe, correct? Before you landed in Vietnam. Let's focus on Vietnam and Southeast Asia, though. Why Vietnam? And what are you seeing today? I know, you know, we talk to folks all over the world and and some startups are just, they can't keep up with demand. Like all of a sudden, you know, the conditions that we're all under um, have changed their business models. And in some cases, like hugely on the upside. And of course, on the other side, some folks are suffering.
1: Sure. So we we see ourselves as a regional fund, as a Southeast Asia fund, but with, as you said, a true focus on uh, on Vietnam. So Vietnam and the Mekong region is almost 170 million uh, people uh, with more than 1 mil- 100 million of digital native before COVID, the GDP had a steady growth of like 7% for the last 10 years, so very kind of a predictable market. The digital economy is supposed to grow by 20 25% for the next seven years, and Vietnam is pretty close to the magic threshold of $4,000 GDP per capita, and we, we've seen that in in China, we've seen that in, in some region in India where when the country reached this uh, this threshold, uh, the let's say the extra consumption go to a lot of uh, entertainment and, and digital product and allows the ecosystem, the tech ecosystem to grow faster on top of that there is a pretty decent uh, i mean vc flow here it was like one billion dollar invested in in 2019 because uh, you have a vc from uh, from singapore you have vc from korea you have vc from japan they're all looking at very carefully about uh, say, East asia and and uh, Vien- vietnam in general so that that's a few let's say and then Uh, we have some more qualitative factor, I would say. So the Vietnamese uh, are really entrepreneurial. There is a lot of tech talent uh, here. It's a bit like China 10 to 15 years ago in in terms of potential. You have a lot of, uh, I would say, Vietnamese diaspora living in Australia, living in the US, in Europe, bringing a lot of uh, ideas uh, and allow the country to leapfrog. Uh, You also have a pretty balanced also gender power at the business level so the women in vietnam have a great position and many are i mean are CEOs of company and have a lot of uh, drive and any impact in the ecosystem and also the government is pretty supportive about the the, the tech ecosystem
0: my observation and not knowing vietnam and southeast asia obviously nearly as well as you do but that like you say vietnam has been on this kind of push to like push people up kind of several rungs in the economic ladder and kind of a la China where, you know, the population kind of moves up together. So is it the startup ecosystem and technology that enable it? I mean, we've seen, you know, in the Vietnamese economy, certainly manufacturing and other things enabling that kind of economic step up. But how does the technology landscape and the startup ecosystem in particular help people along?
1: As you mentioned, I was investing for seven-eight years in, uh, in Latin America. And if you take big cities like Sao Paulo in Brazil, Mexico City, Jakarta in Indonesia, uh, Delhi or Minh City or Hanoi here, the millennials, uh, there are many, many common points and more than we imagine. So it's uh, potentially 80% common points and 20% local uh, cultural factors. So we see that the usage in terms of entertainment, communication are pretty similar. And then on the SMB and MNC side, it's still a long way to go, but there is a big wave of uh, digitalization and all those companies are also going through uh, deep uh, digital transformations.
0: So does that 80% overlap mean that if I, and is this kind of the strategy, if I I start a company... In Ho Chi Minh City, let's say, and um, I kind of nail that market, that large city, and I move on to Hanoi, and I kind of get to scale throughout Vietnam. Do I now take that in, in kind of the same conditions and the same you know approach can apply across Southeast Asia and even to your point um, into Latin America and South America?
1: I mean, obviously, depend on the depend on the category and on on the business, but uh, but yes, correct. It, there is no many examples uh, so far, but uh, it's uh, one of our bets. so it's always more easy to say than than to to do and execute at the at the founding team level. but definitely uh, potential potentially not to scale globally. We have to be yeah. humble and and realist, but at least to to scale in two, three, four, country. We have uh, our two first portfolio companies, one in the health tech business. It's like Invisalign in the U.S. or Smile Direct Club. After a year and a half, they already operate in eight market in Southeast Asia. Our second investment in logistics is a kind of uh, soft, uh, logistic software like uh, UPS or FedEx 2.0 also operating in 12 countries in, in Asia. So it's, it's definitely possible.
0: Now, you've mentioned two, maybe they are the, some sort of related kind of businesses, but you know, healthcare Invisalign, um, straightening people's teeth, and then logistics. What's the common thread there for Phoebe Ventures and how you guys invest? And do you guys have a thesis around verticals that you focus on or, or is it something else? So within
1: technology, we kind of uh, agnostic both in terms of uh, sector and business model. Having said that, business model-wise, we tend to prefer software as a service, uh, marketplace. In terms of sector, uh, we love education, Uh, we love healthcare, uh, logistics, and fintech. We prefer capital-efficient business model. Uh, Proven business model means business were already proven in China, India, uh, Indonesia, or Brazil. And in any case, uh, business which are targeting the emerging middle class, because in emerging market, the, the big potential is those millions and millions of people who are moving from, uh, uh, let's say, low income to the, the new middle class, I would say.
0: Here in the Bay Area, um, you know, you you hear venture capitalists advising all their portfolios to conserve cash, you know, conserve, conserve, conserve. You know, what are you telling your portfolio folks and how are you viewing this market today?
1: First of all, uh, I mean, regarding COVID, the Vietnamese government did pretty well. They leveraged the experience of the SRAS uh, from uh, 2003, if I remember well, and the country already reopened. So it means the uh, school shops, everything is, is reopened. So we are pretty lucky and protected that way. But obviously, as you said, uh, we're trying. Uh, we we are a bit older than the uh, the CEO of our portfolio company, uh, so we had the chance in a way to already survive to the Asian financial crisis, to the dot-com bubble, to the even subprime crisis. Even if each crisis are, are totally different, we're just sharing experience because we are with entrepreneurs, we are totally in the same boat. We win together, we lose together. We consider themselves as Olympic athletes, you know, so we ask them to, to take care of the mental health, the physical health at the time being. We also encourage them to really over communicate in a way and share a lot with the team uh, with the client, a leads, a supplier, investor, in a full transparency and kind of humanize the relationship at the moment. Sure. And as you said, uh, the cash is really king at the moment. So better be alive in a bad health than dead in a good health. So we advise them to to move to survival mode. And obviously, it's less about hyper growth uh, at the moment rather than sustainability.
0: You talk about transparency, you know, with your team, with your customers, and kind of with every, with your vendors. Why is that so important right now?
1: The the startup should move rather in a CRM mode rather than in acquisition mode. Same. So it start from talent. So better you take care of first of your talent rather than recruiting a, a new ones. Same for your investors. Same for your clients. So better to to focus first on the i would say existing assets rather than looking outside because the the decision cycle will be longer and and potentially more uncertainty so that's why we we consider we suggest them to humanize the existing relationships
0: i see and then survival mode sounds pretty dramatic break it down and, and is it as dramatic as it sounds sure so first
1: of all i mean kind of joke but we know that the the 5 years bp in a business plan in a startup i mean it's like a, it's like a dream plan so it's almost never respected so with the time being we ask them to really re-forecast, uh to to really take into consideration the the worst case scenario even if it's uh, 25 50% 75% of the top line expected top line and they have to obviously adapt the cost accordingly reduce the burn try to increase the one rate uh, improve the cash flow so always more easy to do that in an interview rather than to do that on the ground but uh, try to focus on the core business stop all the side project uh, renegotiate hard with any kind of uh, of supplier and uh, focus on the existing cash and not count too much on on uh, on uh, extra neither extra revenue or extra fundraising
0: now, and you guys focus on series A, seed stage, and I'm sure you do follow on rounds too, but you guys are a new fund, so you'll get there when you get there. But early stages is, is the the sweet spot for you.
1: Yeah, correct. So basically we do two things. We do inbound, outbound. Inbound means for us, a Singaporean company, Indonesian company who already are market leader in their own market, and they want to expand in, in Vietnam to become a regional champion. And normally, those ones, we'd rather invest at Series A. We've done two investments recently with Sequoia Capital and one with, uh, uh, with SoftBank in that specific, I would say, bucket and cluster. And on the other side, we do the outbound deals, means Vietnamese startup which have regional ambition. We just invest in a fintech with a fantastic uh, entrepreneur who went to Harvard Business School uh, MBA, worked several years at McKinsey, uh, was the country manager of Uber in Vietnam? Was the CEO of the largest or one of the largest fintech, and finally create his own fintech. So that's typically the the founder profile that that we like, and we want to to be the first backer here on the ground.
0: Yeah, I, I want to ask, and I, I'll ask it in a, as crass a way as I can: Is like, how do I get your money? Like, if I'm an entrepreneur, how do I stand out? It sounds like I need to, you know, have some pretty stellar credentials. But what catches your eye, as it were? So
1: for us, it's uh, it's really the founding team uh, at an early stage, uh, rather than the, the the business model or any KPI, which are also important. But it's really founder, founder, founder driven and centric. So we like everything about ethics, integrity, trust, and transparency. That's for us the the, the basis of of the relationship between a of an entrepreneur and and an investor. Obviously, also, the passion for the industry is something important, and it helps the founder to to be resilient and to pass through the the ups and downs of the the business. We focus also and pay a lot of attention to the execution skill. The founder should be able to move very fast, get their things done in a very structured and data-driven approach. Uh, We love also the long-term vision, the inspiration, the ability to share the dream and the storytelling because in both in recruiting, fundraising, uh, negotiation with the customers and suppliers, talking with media, all those uh, storytelling ability are are, are super important. And uh, finally, we also look at the, I would say, the self-awareness and the ability to constantly learn. I mean, we have to admit that the, the unknowns and founders also, and we have to, to be aware about our own limits and, and uh, be able to learn and be able to hire uh, talents with complementary profile and skills to, to fill those gaps are, are the five, uh, I would say, characteristic that we're looking at as a, in the entrepreneur we, we're supporting.
0: And you are actively looking for new investments. That's one of the lucky things, um, or maybe it's not luck, but by design that you guys are a new fund and you have capital to deploy.
1: Yeah, correct. We have capital to deploy and we are I a mean, big believer in the in the ecosystem. Obviously, we're not naive and we know that COVID has a big impact and for the next several years. Huh? I won't say that the word is happening in Asia, but almost and that the technology, I mean, is also, as Anderson uh, already saying, I mean, software is eating the world. So we're we surfing uh, two very promising waves. One is Asia and Southeast Asia. Another one is technology. So we are very careful. We are running a marathon and not a 100-meter sprint. We are bullish and careful, but bullish in long term.
0: I'm really glad to hear that um, because there's a certain optimism, I think, that we should all kind of hold on to. And if we look back, you were talking about other crises that some of us have been through. There always emerges these, you know, incredibly resilient, strong, you know, sort of forward-thinking companies and people kind of come out the other side stronger than ever.
1: Sure. I mean, I I was surprised reading some some article in the last uh, weeks or months that if you take the Let's say the vintage uh, of uh, 28 uh, with the subprime, I mean, Square, Dropbox, Slack, Uber, NBRB were built that year. Uh, so what a bunch of uh, fantastic, uh, I mean, companies. And again, crisis or not, uh, and even crisis is accelerating the, the digitalization of, of the economy. So you, you have at the moment uh, online education food delivery, telemedicine, which were already existing trend, but the crisis, the COVID is really boosting those. And on top of that, I believe that there is a before and an after COVID. So we will see new habits in in terms of, uh, I mean, uh, lifestyle, in terms of, uh, w- of work, in terms of communication, advertising whatsoever. So we will see, obviously, new trend kind of emerging and, and startup will try to capture that. And financially speaking, the level of dry powder, uh, is pretty high here. Uh, and Southeast Asia is still a pretty attractive region. So I don't think the startup will uh, lack of uh, cash in the next uh, three years.
0: What about valuations? What are you seeing there and what are you kind of expecting?
1: So let me answer in, in two ways. So first of all, at, at the seed level. We don't expect that the the, the valuation will really go down. There is a kind of uh, floor price for for PowerPoint, I would say. And we are very, uh, I would say, founder-friendly and founder-centric. So we want to protect the equity of the founders. And we always say, okay, let's try to do very fast in the the due diligence to not bother them too much. Let's try to offer them fair terms and uh, international standard terms like Y Combinator 1. Let's try to bring operational value added and bring them on the ground. And let's, let's try to not bother them too much with long and board meeting, but rather move that to uh, operational workshop and try to fix the problem they're facing at the time being. So that's our vision for seed. For sure, for later stage, and especially, I mean, B and C, where you really pay the company based on not really on, on top line multiple, but potentially on EBITDA multiple, uh, yeah, uh, it will follow the the public market, and if there is a global correction, we will see either some down round, I guess, more than a year in a year from now, but a lot of potential bridge round or, with a safe note and uh, uh, potentially at the same valuation or or something.
0: Uh, let's get into these questions that we like to ask everyone. And you founded your own company not in Brazil, not in Vietnam, but in France. Is that correct? Correct. So you've been a uh, founder yourself. You're now a co-founder of a venture capital firm. So your uh, bona fides, as it were, are perfect for this. So let me jump into these questions for you. Tell me a tool that you use on a regular basis, something that you really kind of can't live without.
1: Sure. So uh, at the moment at uh, Phoebe Venture, we cannot survive without a pipe drive, which is a kind of a salesforce.com. And we, we, we use it for, for our our pipeline, our deal flow. So that's super important. Uh, still at the fund level, we are a uh, heavy user of Trello for the organization and team management. And for our portfolio company, as much as we can, instead of having uh, a, let's say a monthly report or something, we try to connect them through, through Slack and in order they can push the revenue data and all the key KPIs on uh, on in real time. So, we, we like to check every morning when we go to the, to the office to, to check the KPI in, in real time of each company. So that the three main tools that today, uh, on top of WhatsApp, obviously, for communicating, I'll be very embarrassed if I if I cannot use them, have them.
0: And all those things in combination sort of get back to something that you mentioned where you, you, you guys are not into long boor- board meetings. Um, you, you sort of want to keep things, you know, in the flow and, and have people just kind of work on the operational side of things.
1: So we, we try to be very straightforward and very hands-on on what matters to the to the founder and obviously challenge them to bring them a bit of uh, external outlook and give them some perspective. But we, we back very senior founders. so again, most of the time they, they are teaching us some some stuff and uh, we, we don't need absolutely to push them. Uh, our job is to to back amazing entrepreneurs and, and let them fly along you know.
0: I think you just answered my next question, which is like, you know, give me a a leadership practice or routine. But that sounds like it, like that you you look for the right people and then you let them do what they're good at. And you guys focus on what what you're really good at.
1: In terms of, yeah, leadership practice, as you said, I I had the chance to work eight, nine years in in large big tech corporation like Yahoo, Microsoft, Google, YouTube. And I I pretty like uh, my my time uh, at Google. And, uh, yeah, I'm still using the, the OKR, on a, obviously, on a quarterly basis. Uh, also, the, the QBR, the quarterly business review. I think we, we're all working uh, like crazy as an immediate and very short-term stuff. But every three months, uh, I really like to unplug and, and give some perspective of what we've done well, what we could improve, what our plan for the year, for the next uh, the next three months. And also do the 360 exercise and especially the self-assessment and uh, personal development plan for for myself and, uh, and my team, because we, we're not only working for financial reward. Uh, nowadays, everybody wants to, to have a strong uh, personal development plan, and and I learned that, that at Google almost 10 years ago, time flies, and <laughs> and I still uh, using it, so that that's part of the toolkit uh, from Google that I, I took with me and, and tried to use it carefully.
0: Yeah. So you you have to take the time to step back and kind of do a self-analysis. And and like you say, that sort of look at your whole team and your strategy and breathe a little bit and think more strategically, I I guess, as well. Exactly. A lesson learned. Now, this could be something that you are happy to learn or something that uh, uh, you would rather not have gone through.
1: Sure. I mean, I, I was uh, f- a few months ago uh, before starting Phoebe doing my own uh, self-assessment from my study to first job to where I am now. And I've seen the kind of pattern that uh, in two or three occasions in, in my life, I, I was trying to push, I mean, too hard, too fast and scaling in a way too fast either in term of uh, bring a software as a service product to many categories or bring one single product or service to to several countries. I think I have to be a slightly more patient, have a higher standard in terms of uh, product market fit, win one category in a deeper way, I would say, one country, and then replicate the success. So that's uh, that's one step that for, for the last 18 months, I'm really focused on to improve myself in that dimension.
0: And all of the vast spare time, which I know you don't have, what are you binging on? What are you reading, listening to, watching? Maybe you are climbing a mountain, uh, but what are you binging on?
1: So I, I love uh, working out uh, every morning, like very early. And when I'm alone at the at the gym, uh, I I always try to to start with a very very short uh, meditation, like five minutes on the app called Calm that you potentially use or know. And then I I use uh, Blinkit's, which is a a kind of uh, audio book summary. So my my target in the morning on top of uh, working out, I like to listen summary of two or three books. I'm not saying that I memorize much of the stuff, but at least I feel happy and I say, okay, I accomplished this part. And then in the morning, uh, before starting the rush of all the meetings, I try at least to keep an hour, sometime an hour and a half when I take my coffee at the office to have, I mean, no appointment early in the morning and take the time to read all the news from the US and try to learn from the best VC in Southeast Asia, in China, but especially also in the US. And finally at night, uh, I love to watch a very short period of time, like 10-15 minutes, a TEDx or, or a documentary on Netflix to to yeah to, to try to to improve myself by 01% every day or something. Uh, It's something important. I'm not saying that I do that every single day, but at least uh, three, four times a week, I try to be very disciplined and I consider it's part of my professional agenda.
0: I mentioned uh, before this all started that I had plans along with some other AWS folks to be in in Vietnam. And and I hope we get to get there sooner rather than later and and see all this leapfrogging and and lessons learned and and how you guys are applying it and building things in a different, unique way um, that fits your market and then fits the rest of the world for that matter. Olivier, Rosine, Phoebe Ventures, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we will be talking soon, I hope.
1: My pleasure. Take care, guys. Thank you so much.
0: If you are looking to get started on the cloud with AWS, our Activate program provides startups with a host of benefits, including AWS credits, technical support, training and other resources to help grow your business. Head to aws.amazon.com backslash activate for more. Do us a favor and leave us a review. And if you know someone who we should have on the show, or maybe it's you, reach out to us at, at Amazon.com. And subscribe to AWS Startup Stories wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.